Heavenly Father, we just do thank you for the amazing grace that you give us. We don't deserve it, God. And Lord, what we do deserve, you, you don't give us that either. Thank you so much for your wonderful grace and the mercy that we get to rejoice in. Jesus, I pray today that you would be with us. God, as families are in their homes, as they're maybe in their vehicles, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would just meet us at our need because, Lord, truthfully, we need you in everything. God, you tell us in your word that we are to pray at all times. God, whether if that's big or small, and we come to you asking for your help, for your blessing, God, that we would turn from our ways, that we would seek your face. God, that if there's any sin in our heart that we are cherishing, God, that we would confess that to you. Because, God, we agree that only you can forgive us of sin. And, God, that we've done wrong, that you are holy, you are perfect. There is no one like you. And, Lord, I pray that we would trust in you in that. Lord, as we have just had this opportunity to worship you, we tell you, God, that you truly are our living hope. God, that endures forever. We cannot trust anyone else because, Lord, when we put our faith and our trust in things of this world that are perishable, God, it just does not last. But, Lord, you are faithful and you stand forever. So, Lord Jesus, I pray right now as we hear your word from Pastor Philip, I pray, God, that we would be attentive to what you have to say through him, through your word this morning. I pray, Jesus, that our hearts would be open and, God, that you would help us in this time of need. God, we praise you. We thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you so much providing, for, for providing salvation for us, Lord. Thank you so much for not leaving us in our sin. Thank you for loving us, Lord. And I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, I am excited and uh, excited to be able to share with you this morning. Um, and I'll be honest, this is weird. Um, there's nobody in the building, so if my jokes flop, I apologize because I have no idea if anybody thinks it's funny or not. Um, but we're going to kind of try to keep this uh, somewhat, we're going to try to keep it tight this morning because I'm thinking about my wife. She's sitting at home and she's got four kids running around right now. And the reality of her hearing this whole thing uh, are probably pretty slim. So I'll, I'll preach it at her later and maybe get, the, get better on the second round. Um, but I do want to say this morning, man. First off, thank you to Pastor Kenny, and thank you to this team that is here this morning. Thank you to our elders, and thank you to Brother Lee. Um, man, what a weird time. Um, I keep telling my wife, I keep waking up going, I feel like I'm in some kind of weird dream, uh, but this is strange, but I'm thankful that we have great leaders here at this church who are willing to make decisions that may not be popular with everybody, but we make those decisions and we move forward, and I'm thankful for those leaders. So, man, we're in a good place. This is a great church, and thank you for tuning in. And so we're just going to jump in right here this morning because this is really cool. What's funny is I had a message um, that I was going to preach called The Value of Corporate Worship, um, but I quickly shifted gears, and if you're a Connect Group leader, you probably got that Connect Group guide um, that came out, and then we decided not to have in-person service. So we're going a different direction this morning because it's hard to talk about corporate worship and we're not all in the same room, but it's going to be good this morning. So this is a, a, a passage of mine that I love. I go back to this frequently. Um, this is in Colossians chapter 3, and if you go to Colossians 3, we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read verse 1 through 4. So this is what this says. Since then, you have been raised to new life with Christ. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. 
And then Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world. You will share in all of his glory. Man, I love this passage, and I love going back to this. And we're just going to walk through these verse by verse. We're going to run through it. But what it says here at the beginning, it says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Basically, since you have been born again, since Jesus reached down, brought you out of death and darkness, and brought you back into life, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. So you've been brought out of darkness, you've been born, and and he said now that you've been born again, you need to set your sights on the realities of heaven. I think about this a lot because the Lord takes me back to this passage a lot. We are a blessed people. We have a lot of things. We have awesome houses, we have cars, we have clothes, we have all the electronic devices, we got all the things in the world. Look, we play sports, we have all these things going on for us. But Jesus here, or Paul says right here, he says not to set your eyes on the temporal things of this world, but he says set your eyes on the realities of heaven. I mean, what does that mean? That means that you set your eyes not on these things around you that are going to fade, not these things around you that are going to waste away, but set your eyes on the things that matter most. We're going to talk about it here in a second. He says Christ is all that matters later on in this passage. Set your eyes on the things that matter most, and that is the things of heaven, the things of eternity. It's getting our eyes off of the temporal things around us and setting our eyes on the realities of heaven. We think about those things. So you have died to this life, here on earth, and now you are to set your sights on the realities of heaven. You set your sight on eternity. And I promise you, church, whenever you set your eyes on eternity, your perspective here on this earth begins to change. All these things around us that we're worried about, that we're trying to upkeep, those things begin to fail in comparison with the goodness of the eternal salvation that we have in Jesus. So we begin to set our eyes on him. We set our sights on the realities of heaven. So we say as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, what happens is we begin to go deeper with him. As we grow in our relationship with him, we begin to see the things of eternity more clearly. How important it is, church, for us to be spending time with Jesus, spending time in the word, spending time with him. And what happens is we begin to grow and he begins to get our eyes off of here on this earth and set our eyes on the things of the world or set our eyes on eternity, set our eyes on heaven. I was reading through a psalm this past week. This is Psalm 73 and it's a psalm of Asaph. And the whole first part of this psalm is Asaph going, man, this world is messed up. And his focus is all around him on the things that are messed up. His focus is on the evildoers of this world. His focus is on those. He said, Lord, the evildoers of this world, they're prospering in their ways. I'm over here suffering. They're prospering in their ways. And he's got his eyes set on all these things around him that are going on. But what I love is about halfway through this psalm, he says, but then I came into the sanctuary of the Lord and then everything changed. But what happened was when he stepped into the presence of God, when he stepped into meeting with Jesus, his whole perspective began to change. Later on in that chapter, he says, I realized how bitter my heart was. I realized my evil ways. And then in Psalm 73, 28, he says this, but how good it is for me to be near the Lord. He had this this mindset change. He was focusing on all these things around him, all these things that were changing. And he said, but all of a sudden I met with him. I came into the sanctuary of the Lord, but now I understand. He said, how good it is for me to be near to God. So I was thinking about this past week, how when we come into the presence of God, what happens is we come into his presence, we dive into his word, and he begins to awaken our heart to the things of heaven. And so I was thinking about how in our, in our earth, in, in people around us, if you know anybody who has ever had any kind of heart scare, 
I started thinking about uh, how healthy of a society we are. We have health plans, we have workout plans, we have all these things around us. And if you know anyone that has ever had any kind of heart scare, it makes them change the way they look at life. All of a sudden, because that your heart, your physical heart is the central pump that keeps you moving. It's the thing that keeps you going. So when you have a heart scare and you begin to examine your heart physically, you say, man, I need to change some things. So you begin to eat better. You begin to exercise. You begin to lose weight. All those things come with it. And you say, man, I examined my heart. But what happens when we come into the presence of God, when we dive into the word, we begin to examine our spiritual heart. We begin to look at ourselves inwardly and we say, man, what is going on with my spiritual heart? Where am I? And as we get into the word, he begins to show you different ways. And I, let me tell you something, church. If you are only getting your spiritual food on Sunday morning, you are spiritually malnourished. This is not the place where you come to get fed a full meal. I had a pastor one time tell me this. He said that the, the Sunday morning is kind of like breadcrumbs. You just get a taste, and that taste should drive you to go get to know Jesus more during the week. It should drive you to know Jesus more in your quiet time. So this is not the place you fully get fed, but this is the place where you come and you, and you get just that taste of Jesus. You get that taste of the word so that when you go home and you're at home right now and you have that opportunity to dive into the word of God, then you get to examine your heart spiritually and he begins to fill you up and show you where you need to change things. And it sets, it reminds you that you've been raised to new life with Christ and you can set your eyes on the realities of heaven. So in verse four, he says this, and when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. I love this verse. And this phrase jumps out at me every time I read this. It says, and when Christ, who is your life, Man, I started thinking about my life. I started thinking about what do people say about Philip Meadows? When they look at me, what do they say? Man, I have a lot of hobbies. I love to do, if you know me, I love to do woodworking. I love doing DIY home projects. I love to play guitar. I love playing piano and singing. I love to go camping with my kids. We have all these things and activities that we do as a family, but I do not want my life to be defined by those hobbies and those things that I do. I want this, what Paul said, Christ who is your life. I want my life to be known as a man who knows Jesus. I want, when people talk about Philip Meadows, I want people to say, that guy talks about Jesus a whole lot. I want people to say, that guy talks about the miracles that he's seen God do. I want people to say, I, want, I know him, that guy knows Jesus. I want my life to be known as Christ who is my life. And I pray that over my kids. I pray that over my family at night. I want my family at home to be known as a family that loves Christ, that knows him and, and gets to know him more and shares Jesus everywhere we go. So we have been brought up, raised to new life with Christ. We set our sights on the realities of heaven. And he says, now Christ, who is your life? Now I wanna take you back just a little bit. This is Colossians 2 and verses six and seven. Look at this. It says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. What I love about this verse is such a reminder. He says, now that you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, Okay, now that you've accepted him, he says this, now you must continue to follow him. So a misconception is that you give your life to Christ, you get your, your fire insurance, now I've got a ticket to heaven and now I don't do anything. Man, Paul says here, now that you know him, now you must continue to follow him. As believers and as the church, man, what an awesome time right now. We're at home. 
and you're with your kids and you have a time right now to really slow down and look at your life and we can look at ourselves and say, are we continuing to pursue Jesus in our walk? Now, I want to look at my life and I want to say, how can I pursue Jesus better? But Paul says here, you must continue to follow him. Let me tell you something, church. It is a choice that you make every single day when you wake up that you are going to follow Christ. It is a choice that you make. It's not anybody else's choice. Nobody else is going to do the growing for you. Nobody else is going to teach you or, or take you that longer way. You have to wake up every morning or whatever your schedule may be in the evening, in the morning, in the afternoon, whatever that looks like for you. You make that choice to get into the word and you go after him and you get to know him. And then as you do that, again, we go back to you set your sights on the realities of heaven and eternity. Man, eternity becomes the thing that you begin to focus on. So we set our sights on the realities of heaven, and now we must continue to follow him. We have to make the choice every single day growing in Christ. We have to do it on our own. We have to go after him. Now, you can help get help along the way. People can supplement that. But when it comes down to it, when the rubber meets the road, it is up to you to follow Jesus. It is up to you to get into the word. It is up to you to go after him. So, and then it says in verse seven, it says this. It says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So as I was reading this, I, I, I started researching about what the benefits are of a root system. What are the func actual functions of a root system? I was up the other night with our, with our little girl, I think it was Thursday night, and it was raining cats and dogs at three in the morning. It was unbelievably coming down. The wind was blowing, and I looked out my front yard, and we have these two trees that we've put out in our front yard, and we have two that have finally taken root. And they look good. Man, but the wind was blowing those things around, and I looked at them, and those trees were just, they, they were moving here, but their base, man, they were in the ground. They have finally developed a root system to hold them up. Now, I want to talk to you real quick. This is the functions, four functions of a root system. Number one, the root system provides food, and it provides water. As you begin to grow with Jesus, that root system begins to go down, and that root system, as you feed it with the Word of God, begins to give you water. It begins to give you food. And just like that tree that's in my front yard, you begin to grow strong, and you begin to go, your roots go deeper. The second thing is this, they give you stability, and they provide an anchor. And just like I was looking at those trees the other night, I promise you, church, if you have not gone through a storm in life, you will go through a storm in life. And it is not, the time to prepare for a storm in life is not in the middle of a storm. The time to prepare for a storm in life is right now. The time to prepare is to get to know Jesus right now. So as you're feeding yourself, as that root system is growing deep, that root system goes down and you have that stability, you have that firm base that when the storms of life come, you're not shaken by the things that are going on. You're not shaken at the moment about, the, uh, about what's going on with the coronavirus. You're not shaken by being stuck at home. You're not shaken by those things. Why? Because I have fed myself the word of God and I've let the root system go down. So now I have a stable base to go after Jesus. The third thing is this storage of food and water, the root system on your plants and on your trees store up food and water. But let me tell you this, as your root system goes down deep, as you try, as you grow in Christ, if you are not feeding it, just like we talked about earlier, if you are not feeding yourself the word of God, spending time in prayer, spending time in worship, that root system that you've put down has no nourishment to store up. 
Because what happens as believers, we go through dry times in our life. We go through times where we have dry spells. But the, what we do in the times before that, we prepare. We feed ourselves the word of God. We feed ourselves scripture. We feed ourselves teaching. And what happens is the root system that we've put down begins to store up food. It stores up water. So when you go through a dry time in your life, you have nourishment stored up in you, in your heart, in your spiritual heart to get you through those times. So the fourth thing is this. The root system spurs growth. So if you've ever seen a root system, a lot of times a tree will have a root system that goes down, and as the root system grows out, you'll see another shoot come up out of it. I liken that to discipleship. As you begin to grow in your relationship with Christ, as you begin to know him more, that root system goes down and it goes deep. And as those roots go out, you begin to have other shoots as you begin to disciple, as you begin to share the word of God with other people. And you see discipleship start to take place. I think about when I was growing up, I grew up in the country and my wife um, laughs at me about that sometimes, but I grew up in the country and I remember one of the jobs I had, my dad gave me one time, there was an old tree stump that was out in our yard. Uh, it was kind of out in the middle. I don't even know when the tree died, but that tree stump had been there forever. So there was a Saturday. My dad said, I want the tree stump gone. So I remember getting a tractor and hooking up a chain to the back of it and wrapping that thing around a stump and trying to pull the stump out. And if you've ever done that before, the tractor starts rearing up like this and then you're kind of freaking out because you're doing a wheelie on a tractor. But the root didn't budge, man. So it took us with an axe going after the roots and like chopping them off to be able to get that stump up out of the ground. But what happens is we begin to let our roots grow down deep. As verse 7 says, let your roots grow down deep into him. Let your lives be built on him and then your faith will grow strong in the truth. As you feed yourself the word of God, as you go after him, that root system grows deep. And man, you become stable. You become stable as the storms of life come. As, as uh, coronavirus comes through, you become stable because your root system is built in Christ and it's not based on the winds and the movements of this world. So I read a disturbing, as we're talking about feeding ourselves, I went and I started looking as an actual statistic of the church. This is the number. 32% of American believers who regularly attend church read the Bible every day. Now, I'm no mathematician, but I believe that 68% of the church that does not read their Bible every day. That's a hard number. 27% said they read it only a few times a week. 12% read it once a week. 11% said they only read it a few times a month. 5% said once a month. One in eight regular attenders, um, or 12%, they admit to rarely or never reading their Bible. Church, as believers, we have to be feeding ourselves the Word of God. We can't be shocked when we're not feeding ourselves the Word of God and a storm of life comes along and blows us away and we go, Lord, what happened? You haven't been feeding yourself. You haven't been letting your root system grow deep into Christ. You have to start doing that. We feed ourselves. So let your root system grow down into Him. Now, Colossians 3, let's flip back over here, and this is verse 5, and I'm going to read a chunk of Scripture to you real quick. This is verse 5, and it says this. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Do not be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, 
worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, with kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. So we go back to verse 10. Verse 10 says, says this. It says to put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and you become like him. What I got from this as I was reading it, it says to put on your new nature. Again, we go back to that part where we say it is a choice every single day. When you wake up to pursue Jesus, you have an opportunity every single morning to say, I choose to put on my new nature. I choose to let myself, I, my old fleshly ways die. I choose to let those things, I choose not to resurrect those things and bring them back, but I choose today to put on my new nature, to become more like Christ, to spend time in the Word, to become more like Him. It's a choice that you make. Verse 11 says this, that Christ is all that matters. Church, if there's anything else that you walk away with this morning, you can understand this, that this world around us is fading. Everything else will be gone at some point, but Christ is all that matters. Nothing else matters. Everything else fails in comparison with the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ. He is all that matters. Now, verse 12 says this, but put on tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. All these things you get to choose every day to get better at. Because I heard it said, like, I'm just not great with patience. I'm not great with compassion. I'm not great with these. Like, that's just not my gift. You can choose to get better. Ask the Lord. He will help you, I promise. As you seek him, as you ask him, he will help you get better at those things. It is a choice that you get to make every single day. So verse 14 it says this, above all, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Again, you wake up every single day. Some of you drive in a whole lot of traffic, and showing love in traffic is really hard. I've been there. I've gone through that, and I had to get resaved a couple times. But when you're driving in traffic, sometimes it's really hard to get to show love to other people. Church, we heard Brother Lee talk about this last week, and he said that we want to be a church that is overflowing in love. We want to be a church that right now, what an opportunity for the church to rise up. What an opportunity where everybody, the public is going out and they're crazily buying toilet paper. And they're crazily buying all the produce and all the things at the store, and they're stealing stuff out of people's baskets at the store. This is crazy. But what we have the opportunity to do is the church. We have an opportunity. If you know someone in your neighborhood who needs a roll of toilet paper, go give them toilet paper. 
Go show love. If you have a neighbor who needs milk or eggs, go give them milk or eggs. If you have people around you, elderly, who can't get out, man, go to them. Go show love. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. Let us be a church that is overflowing. Even though we're not in this building together, man, we can be the church in this city, in this community, in this town, and we can go to our neighbors and we can show them love in the most practical ways. We can show them Jesus in the most practical ways. You wake up in the morning, you say, I'm going to put on love. I'm going to clothe myself with love. I want people to look at me and say, man, that guy is, he's overflowing. He's got so much love coming out of him, I can't hardly stand next to him. I want to show the love of Christ to all of our community. They will know we are Christians. It says it. Jesus said they will know we're Christians by our love one for another. If we want to be a people whose life is known for Christ, we have to clothe ourselves with love. You want to see an impactful church? Show me a church that loves. That's where it starts, church. It's great meeting together. And I I miss every one of you here this morning because, man, it's a great thing to meet together as the church body. But what a great opportunity to be love in your community. Show love to your neighbor. Let your life be known as a, let you be known as a person whose life is Christ and show the love of Christ. And verse 15 says this, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you were called to live in peace and always be thankful. Man, what a time as, as there's uncertainty in the world around us. As we get to know Christ, as we realize how we've been brought from death into life, we realize that Christ is all that matters. And as you do that, as you begin to see Jesus, you realize really quickly that the peace of God it surpasses all understanding. Man, we want to be the church that as we go out, man, there's a peace among us. Now, whether, like the church, whether you're on this side of it that thinks this is all a hoax or whether you're on this side of it that, that you're scared to death, there is a peace that resides in Jesus Christ and knowing him, there is a peace there and I pray that our church would be a church that shows love and that just rests in the peace of God. Not panicking in a moment like this. Not panicking when there's uncertainty. Not being blown by the winds of change around us, but having a root system that is rooted and deep in Jesus so we can rest in the peace of God. One last thing, and this is in chapter 4, verse 2. It says this, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Church, if we want to be a people whose life is Christ, we must be a people who are devoted to prayer. Now, when I say prayer, I'm not talking about it has to be this rigid thing that you're on your four times a day doing these different things. I'm talking about I pray when I leave my house in the morning, when I spend time in the Word, I say, Lord, let me be in tune with your Spirit. Lord, let my ear be in tune with your voice. Why? So when I'm walking about my day, when I'm in the middle of my busy day, I can look and I can be listening to the voice of the Lord and I can be in constant communion with the Father. It is being devoted to prayer is not necessarily that quiet time in the morning. That is great. That is awesome. But it is a church that is being in tune with the Spirit of God that wherever we go, we can be in tune with the Spirit. And he says being alert mind. He says constantly, this is what I take from this, constantly looking for an opportunity to share Christ. Having an alert mind that when he brings that up, when he shows you someone that needs Jesus, you being alert enough to say, I hear you, Jesus. I hear you, God. I'm going to go after him, and I go share Christ. And a thankful heart, this is it, church. When we understand that the Lord is allowing you to be used in his plan, man, it's humbling. It is a humbling thing to realize that I'm this minuscule little thing, but yet he allows me to be a part of his plan. 
When you understand where you've been brought from, death into life, your heart begins to overflow with thankfulness. Your heart begins to overflow with, Lord, I'm not worthy. Your heart begins to overflow with, Lord, Lord, just use me however you want. Man, I want to start my day every morning on my face just saying, Lord, whatever you want for me today, that's what I want to do. Lord, wherever you want me to go, that's where I'll go. Lord, my life is not my own, but yet I want to know you so much, Lord, that whatever you want, Lord, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to go. Search in times of uncertainty right now. Now is the time for us to press into Christ. Now is the time for us to, re, to, to re-examine our own heart and go spiritually, where am I? Spiritually, where is my, is my spiritual heart? Am I malnourished? Do I need more? We all, man, we all need more. So this, this morning, I want to encourage you as we go back through. I'm going to have Nathan come on back up as we're wrapping up. But I want you to, to encourage you. I want to encourage you as you're at home, as you're with your family, as you have this time where, you're, where we have isolation, or not isolation, that's a bad word, as we have social, social distancing, as we're being that way, spend time with Jesus. Don't just binge watch Netflix. Don't just binge watch your favorite show. Take time out of your day and say, man, I have this opportunity to slow down and to know him. If we want to be a people whose life is Christ, we must be deeply rooted in Christ. We must be feeding ourselves. We must let our root system grow down deep into him. You must choose every single day to walk in love. Church, again, we have an opportunity right now to be the love of Christ everywhere we go. And the last thing is we have to be a church that is devoted to prayer. We have to be a church that is praying for our neighbor. We're praying for those that don't know Jesus. We're praying for a move of God in our church. We're praying for a move of God in our community. We're praying for revival. We're praying for those things and seeking out what God wants for our community. Church, again, we have an opportunity to be love, to overflow with love in our community, to know Christ better. And man, I pray that over us, that in this time when it's uncertain, when you may be fearful, when we don't know what's going on, we don't know how this is all going to play out. Man, I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to happen. But I know this one thing, that my roots are grounded deeply in Christ, that I refuse to be moved by the winds of change that are blowing in our society. I choose to be rooted in Christ. So Father, we love you this morning. We thank you, God, that we have the opportunity to know you. I thank you, Lord, that you have brought us from death into life. And God, I pray for, my, for, for those out there, if there's anyone watching who doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that you would awaken their heart this morning. God, that they would put their faith and put their trust in you because, God, you're the one thing that never changes. And so, Father, this morning, we choose that we just ask, God, that you would make us a church that loves you, God, that overflows with love, that knows you so well. Father, we love you. God, we choose in this uncertain time just to say we, we, we just choose to rest in your peace. And God, we say it is well with our soul. God, we love you and we thank you for this morning together. In Jesus' name.